0: Anthony Corelli yeah uh, you know who I'm talking about Santino Morella uh, I, I you know I started watching again uh, the WWE and, and and a pretty regular basis in uh, you know after 2005 or so because my son really got into it my uh, my son Kyle and uh, he loved the WWE and one of the characters that he really uh, loved to follow was Santino and really when you look at the stuff that he did and I looked at a lot of videos genuinely a laugh uh, laugh riot as we used to say when I was a kid a laugh riot uh, he he really his he, his comedic timing is great um not like Bobby Heenan kind of uh, comedian but I think that he would be a great character actor um did it very well with the the WWE of course, injuries uh, eventually have ended his career, and he's got uh, a lot happening now. But we're going to be hearing from Anthony Corelli coming up. What do you say we get to our main event? Anthony Corelli, better known as Santino Morella. Ding, ding, ding. Well, folks, uh, another great guest this week here on Primetime was Sean Mooney. Um, I have to uh, tell you a little background before I bring him in is that, uh, you know, my son, uh, Kyle, who's now 19, really got into the wwe and uh it was perfect timing for my guest because uh he was uh coming in and uh really kind of took the wwe by storm in, in a sense and i actually got a chance to meet him but uh, many of you know him as santino morella uh he's anthony corelli and uh anthony thank you so much for joining us how are you oh
1: awesome and it's all my pleasure
0: Hey, you know, uh, I know you were uh, watching a lot, uh, what was going on in the 80s and 90s, so um, I'm always interested to find out what your influences early on. What really drew you to the WWF? Who were some of the personalities that you really loved to watch back then? Yeah, I mean,
1: uh, you know, my brother is three years older, so he was kind of a little ahead of me in terms of being turned on to wrestling, and, yeah. you know, he, he brought me in right at the time. It was... Um, Jimmy Superfly Snooker versus the Magnificent oh, yeah. Morocco. Uh-huh. And I remember we were watching it one time, and I guess there was a lot of blood, so they put censored across the TV screen. And just the <laughs> fact that it was censored, it was just blew our minds. Like, this is too gory for, for, te- <laughs> for viewers. And, <laughs> yeah. and then, of course, you know, Hulk Hogan came along, and that's it. We were hooked.
0: Yeah, that is funny. That But, you know, it's whatever you portray... Like, oh, my God, you know, what you can't see or what you're not supposed to see is going to draw you to it. But uh, so many great personalities back then. And, uh, you know, Anthony, along the way, I meet people who, uh, you know, grew up during that period of time. And it was really it was a magical time for kids. It was uh, with professional wrestling, um, not to take away from what people enjoy today, but it really was. We talk about it as the golden era. And it, it was there was so much more to it than. Uh, these wrestling matches because these guys were bigger than life. And I, do you remember it being that way for you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we went down to Maple leaf gardens and mm. God, uh-huh. man, I mean, you know, big John stud versus Hulk Hogan. And yeah. actually one time I went to judo class and they were doing a live event in the Etobicoke Olympium and our, our judo area was in the basement. And all of a sudden I'm walking in and I look at him. It's Ricky steamboat. And cool. I'm looking, what the hell's going on here? I uh, look down the hallway, I see King Kong Bundy, Hillbilly Jim, the Haiti Kid, uh, the Iron Sheik, Davey Boy Smith. I mean, the entire, like, every single person was iconic. Right. In my mind, I couldn't focus on practice that day. <laughs> wow. But it was, you know, it wasn't, I mean, the wrestling was also, they didn't break kayfabe yet, so there was still right. that mystery. Mm-hmm. But also, there wasn't digital devices and internet and you could bike ride for eight hours and you only had you know let's say 24 channels so to be on one of those 24 channels everybody knew who you were because you you didn't take long to surf through the channels (laughs) now we have thousands and it's diluted and then of course digital content and it's just you're bombarded with information but when information you know less is more right
0: Yeah. And at that time, you know, uh, cable was in its infancy and you said there were a lot more channels at the time, but not really developed in, in, you know, mainstream channels. And, uh, you know, Vince, you know, we know we can talk about his vision that he had, but back then uh, of getting on these stations across the country. And it was still very true that, you know, people watch the networks and these other independent stations. And he went out and actually bought time and got these programs on. And, uh, you know, they had a roster of 50, 60 superstars and you just rattled off these names. And I know people listening went, oh yeah, oh, of course, God, he was huge, you know, and they were, because there weren't, it wasn't just, you know, three, it wasn't three guys that, you know, everybody had their favorite and it really was, it really was just a really special time. I don't know if it could ever be captured again. I I, I don't know. I
1: mean, I liked guys like... I like Billy Jack Haynes and Hercules yeah. Hernandez, and you know they they had matches at WrestleMania. It wasn't the main event, but they were iconic. Then you had Tito Santana and Great Hammer Valentine, and that that everyone had their own rivalry that seems to live on forever. You know, it's yeah. it was incredible, man. Mister Fuji, Brody Piper, and then you know they had the cartoons and the music videos, and it, yeah. it definitely. I don't think it can ever be replaced because the emotional content is a little bit it's gone because of the fact that, you know, uh, cafe has been broken. So now we watch more for, for entertainment as, yeah. as opposed to really being emotionally invested.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, Anthony, you had, you had quite a career with the WWE. I know you're still associated with them, but, uh, as far as what you were able to accomplish in the ring, uh, you know, you were a WWE, uh, intercontinental champion twice, uh, tag Team Champion, United States Champion. Uh, we'll talk more about Miss WrestleMania a couple of <laughs> times, but but really, and, and a lot of people remember you uh, for being a comical figure. But um, it's it's interesting when you think about your roots or where you came from. Now, of course, you're you're uh, Canadian. You uh, grew up in Canada, um, but you had a very uh, you were a very serious athlete, and it wasn't necessarily that you started out on this road. At least I don't think to be a professional wrestler. Um, with the martial arts, with judo. So uh, tell me a little bit about growing up in Canada and really what was your focus as a kid? Oh, man.
1: Well, I guess I had I had two focuses as a kid. One was baseball and one was judo. Oh, really? And, and, baseball. And, 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 and judo was a, an, an accident, really. I mean, I watched a few Kung Fu movies and a few Bruce Lee movies and, and yeah. I just wanted to be in martial arts and I just begged my mom to put me in martial arts. I thought my destiny was to be a ninja. And, uh, you know, she literally looked in the parks and recreations book and the, the class that fit her schedule was this judo class. And, and I remember like judo, I wanted that Kung Fu and stuff, but Uh. anyway, I went to judo and then that's it. You know, that kind of took over and it really helped my baseball because grappling just makes you so strong and, uh up up until about the age of 14, 15, even up to 16, you know, I was doing both. And then, um, I had to choose one really to, to, to follow it. And my eyesight was, it was undiagnosed at the time, but my eyesight was very, was very poor. I still have keratoconus and I have to wear like hard lenses. So I started getting these longer slumps where I would hit these massive fly balls, <laughs> like straight up pop flies, not realizing it was a vision thing. So I just thought I wasn't developing uh, you know, along with the pitching. So I just, I went to judo and yeah, I did judo right through high school university. And I was on the, yeah. the national team for Canada and right, you know, competed internationally a little bit. And, um, you know, during university, I also had a child, so we had to start yeah. providing, and, you know, an amateur athlete, you know, doesn't really make money or especially uh, no. even Olympic
0: athletes. You know? Right.
1: And, um, then I found a sport that, uh, you know, my entire skill set was going to be almost completely transferable. Uh, I, I wrestled in university at Concordia University in Montreal, and one of the guys on my university team, his dad was in the WWF back in the '80s. His dad was Don Cooloff, who mm. um, wrestled in uh, you know first from Calgary Stampede and then right. some of the the TV tapings in uh, in Canada. I believe they were at Cambridge at the time.
0: Yeah, yeah, Jack and, Tunney in that group. Yeah,
1: yeah. And when, once I heard that, I'm like, oh my god, I just found my my destiny. It was the most eerie feeling. I'll never forget it. Hmm. And, um, so then I just, you know, finished university and
0: worked a little bit
1: in the the corporate world, but I knew I was going to wrestle. So I started late. I started training at like 28 years old.
0: Yeah. But you, but when you look at it though, um, with the, the judo and probably you didn't realize it at the time, but, uh, there's so much involved in that training. You talked about, you know, just the strength, but it also teaches you, uh, you know, how to counter and, and, uh, you know, leverage is a big part of it. And and that's a big part of MMA and, uh, yeah. and, and we'll get into it. I know with battle arts, that's kind of how you, you base a lot of, of, uh, you know, that probably early on, early on in your life that you, you learned and then, uh, used different methods and how it really has changed the business today. Uh, but, you probably didn't even realize it at the time how much that, that training would help you later. Yeah,
1: especially the biggest thing was the the comfort with falling.
0: Because, you yeah. know, we
1: flip, we flip each other, you know, hundreds of times of practice. So I had no problem falling. And, yeah, you were and bumping already. already been
0: <laughs> Just up. didn't call yeah. it that, right? Pardon me? I said bumping, and you didn't even realize it, that that's exactly what you were doing.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it takes a while to build up that that kind yeah. of toughness yeah. uh, with regards to being able to fall and, and being able to absorb it.
0: So what did that, uh, early, I mean, this is, uh, was, was serious for you. Like you said, you were a national uh, juniors champion. Um, so, uh, I mean, that was a, a big focus of yours and really it must've, uh, uh, been an incredible period in your life. I, you, I don't know if that was, you, you know, you, you, mentioned how you became a father, but at that point in life, that must've been a really, a serious point of, of where you thought you were headed. Yeah. My,
1: my, my entire life was, uh, I was kind of a a judo prodigy, I guess, from young, you know, I was one of the youngest yeah. black belts in Canadian history, and I was fighting seniors at, like, 15. Uh, I actually won the Ontario Senior Championships at 17, and, and uh, you know, I, f- I feel like my, my ultimate judo uh, potential wasn't fully realized because of, you know, just having a, a child in, in university, but, yeah, the 2000 Olympics, that's, my whole life was geared towards the 2000 Olympics. In fact, my training partners and roommates, and you know, they, they were there, and and uh and i had to watch
0: but uh, well i think weren't know, there some of these guys you beat that that became um, yeah
1: yeah i beat champions. national champions all the yeah. time yeah. Uh, i beat the canadian champion in the u.s open and um yeah I, I was right there just waiting to have my day and then you know one neck injury uh my first neck injury kind of started in university too wow. and then you know you have to start uh, supporting your family uh so then, it just kind of boiled down to, okay, we got to get a job.
0: <laughs> did you wrestle also in university? In yeah, university? In high
1: school and university, amateur yeah. wrestling. Yeah.
0: So you mean you had all this training coming in, and uh, you know, I, I guess becoming a father maybe changed that course, uh, and, and uh, you would end up. I mean, you decided I got to make a living, um, and then and you ended up going to Japan. How did the the, the focus go from there, and then? pursuing this, uh, wrestling career, which really did alter the course of your life.
1: Yeah. There's, there, there's so many of these like life defining moments. So one was yeah. meeting this guy, uh, who's, you know, to this day, one of my friends, uh, whose father was in the WWF
0: mm-hmm. and he
1: had a school in Markham, Ontario, which is just kind of around Toronto as well. Yeah. So when the time was right, it was 2002, I started training, you know, for about a year. And then I had my first match in two thousand three here in Ontario. And after about several matches, I'm like, "This is not going to go anywhere." There's just no one seeing me, right? I got to put myself in front of the right eyes, and especially like I'm 29 years old. So the only connection we had at the time was uh, this place called Battle Arts in Japan. And I grew up around Japanese people. Judo is a Japanese sport, mm-hmm. and um, so I thought, you know, I could go there and kind of off the canadian judo guy and, and, and it did work i went there i lived there for a year and i trained at this gym called battle arts and what they did was they had it, it was so cool at the time because remember pride fighting in japan
0: oh yeah yeah
1: so they had professional wrestlers mm. fighting mma
0: yeah, it was like a, it was shoot like, yeah there was shoot uh matches. Real
1: fighting and Pride. Yeah. and then they had these mma fighters that would take part in professional wrestling matches. So there was mm. this really this blurred line between the yeah. two. And I would go there, and we just trained like fighters. And it was, you know, it, it was it, I wasn't learning a lot with regards to, like, WWE-style wrestling. Right. But I was just becoming a, a fighter. And then, again, by accident, I overstayed one of my tourist visas, and I was banned from Japan. Oh, so boy. after being there for a year, all of a sudden I have to reformulate, like, I had a, I had an apartment and I had a, a scooter and you know I was I was pretty established after a year and I was planning on being there for you know at least a couple more years and that was when I had to I went down to OVW. But, uh, so yeah, but before you
0: before you came, before today, you came uh, back to the states, uh, Anthony, um, were you participating in these in in both type of matches these uh, type Pride like and then also wrestling so you were getting you know, somewhat prepared for when you came back? Yeah, I, I, I would take anything that I could do. Sometimes we did mm-hmm. like
1: little, a school show where we did a gym or an outdoor festival, uh, pancration fights, uh, one MMA fight that, that I didn't really prepare for. But, uh, you know, we were training like, we were grappling a lot. So anyway, I got into like an altercation at the gym with some, uh, another a kickboxer from China and we kind of got into a fight in the ring because he was he was trying to take my head off and be the guy that, you know, knocked out the foreigner. So I had to defend myself. And, and, and I'm by myself here. I'm in like a dojo full of like, you know, 30, 40 Japanese guys and one Chinese guy. And uh, and they go hard, man. So anyway, it, it got me tough pretty quick and got my cardio up. And then I had to, anyway, I defended myself and I took him down and I gave him a few shots. And uh, they're like, oh, you want to fight? MMA next month. And <laughs> I was like, sure. Yeah. And yeah, it didn't go well. We made uh-huh. a, we made a, a drastic error and we switched to Southpaw because the, the judo stance and the boxing stance are opposite hands and yada, yeah. yada. It was not, it was not the right choice.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, experience all along the way. So, uh, oh, you know, this, was awesome. yeah. Yeah. This abrupt exit from Japan. Uh, they told, yeah. I guess they told you you have to leave.
1: <laughs> yeah, they, I, yeah. I I was, I was banned. Actually, originally, it was, I was going to be banned for five years. Ooh. And then uh, someone kind of smartened us up and said, look, if you wait till December 1st, the law is going to change for the first time in like 100 years, but you'll only be banned for one year. Uh-huh. So the law that's in a, in place at the time of your departure is the one that's going to be a, a, applied to you. So we had to kind of you know keep a low profile. And, and then I left uh, at the end of the year, just before Christmas. So I was banned for one year. Mm-hmm. And then when I went to OPW, I, I drove down to Louisville. And uh, the fact that I just came from Japan kind of gave me a a boost down there with regards to, you know, the perceived experience and, and where I was. And uh, that's when I met Rip Rogers, who yeah. just, you know, gave me the vast majority of my skill set that I needed to go make money and, and have a 10-year career with WWE.
0: What was, um, and a lot of people don't, uh, understand what was going on at the time. Now they have a, you know, a very established developmental, um, uh, you know, school and how, how it works with NXT, but back then, uh, was, um, Ohio Valley wrestling, uh, wrestling pretty much the, the de- developmental school ba- back then. And they also know that they, Florida had something similar, yeah, but how first, did it work back then?
1: Yeah. They, they used to have one in, oh gosh, long time ago. I think it was. Was it Memphis or 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 Nashville? Gosh, it was in it was in it was in Tennessee anyway. Yeah, yeah. And then it was OVW, Ohio Valley Wrestling, and Deep South Wrestling in Georgia. And um uh Deep South and OVW, they existed concurrently. And then they both kind of shut down and then it went to FCW after that. Right. So down there are floor. guys that were in OVW or Deep South that ended up going to FCW. Uh quite a few, actually.
0: Yeah. But they didn't bring you in. You actually went to go to the school and, and paid to be there, right?
1: Yeah, I went in the beginners class for a month, and then I got I graduated to the intermediate class where I was with Rip Rogers, and then near the end, uh, I was. This was my game plan. So the the advanced class at OBW was also the developmental class. So mm-hmm. there was three three different classes there. The advanced class was developmental talent. So let's say we had. 25 guys in the advanced class 23 or 22 would have been contracted uh wwe developmental talent and three were guys that you know were just kind of in the advanced class Mm -hmm. so that was my target because i knew that they would send down producers and agents to call them back then to to uh come down and watch and get an update on who's developing and who's going to be ready for tv soon also, I know that they they um the the office would watch OVW television. So I worked my way up to the advanced class and um I really got you know looked at. I remember it was uh, D Malenko came down one time and I had a chance to wrestle in front of him and you know I was doing stuff very differently because I was doing that Japanese work shoot style and just doing it in a really believable manner because all the years of judo and I always incorporated throws and submissions. And I still use that same kind of, you know, skeleton that that the match that that, that formula. I hate saying formula, but you know, it's yeah. kind of formulaic. Um, and I just you know, swapped out the moves for for more MMA oriented moves, and it was different at the time. And of course, being different gets you noticed. Um, yeah. And then I just there was a, enough feedback, enough feedback. And then Paul Heyman one day, he was actually up in the rafters watching me train in Rips class and caught me in the parking lot and he's like i want to um debut you on ovw television next week and you know my heart sunk and i'm like this is my break mm-hmm. and um i, I was so, so rip rogers gave me the nickname boris yeah. so it's funny for two years of my life i lived in two years and two weeks i lived in Louisville. And for two years and two weeks, I was called Boris. And so in, <laughs> An Italian
0: called of, Boris, yeah.
1: In the town of Louisville, I'm known as Boris. Yeah. And uh, so people that I wrestled with at that, that time, they still call me Boris. It's pretty funny. Yeah. But that was just my nickname that Rip gave me. He said I looked like Boris Zukov or something. Yeah. And um, so my coach here was Don Koloff. So I said, well, I wonder if I can combine the two and be uh, Boris Koloff. I wonder. Yeah. I didn't know if that you know incarnation of... Russian first and last names has been put together. Yeah. So uh, I was Boris, and then uh, Paul Heyman, he uh, debuted me as Boris Alexiev, and he changed the last name to that uh, former Olympic powerlifting world champion uh, Alexiev from Russia. Right. Yeah. And apparently, Paul Heyman's so smart, he knew that Vince was a big fan of Alexiev, and to have the association, um, you know, with regards to the name... It, it it could benefit me in terms of getting Vince's attention,
0: yeah.
1: and uh, yeah, then we were this Boris Alexiev and, uh, until until I got
0: signed. Uh, how was your Russian accent? I know you uh, you're great with the Italian, but uh, how was your Russian? It, it, <laughs> it was a. Okay. Did you talk like uh, Russian? This like uh, how did you how did how did it work? Were you good? Yeah,
1: there are certain things like um, the H's would be a hev, you know, that kind yeah. of thing.
0: Yeah.
1: and and also what I would do is I would speak a little bit of Croatian. Because my my best friend growing up, my neighbor was Croatian, and I learned a little bit of Croatian, but the people in Louisville didn't know any difference. So I I would say, like, you know, (laughs) yes, li orvat, na gustachu bit. And so what I'm actually saying is, uh, are you Croatian? I'm Croatian. Of course I am, or something, but. It's
0: not something like, would you like a biscuit? (laughs) 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 That's good, though. I mean, yes, it's very good. Very good, Russian. You do very, very well. Borders, yeah, good. Yeah. Well, that must have been fun. Yeah, it was awesome.
1: And the kids <laughs> in my little neighborhood, I never broke character for the kids in my neighborhood. Uh-huh. And uh, they were pretty funny.
0: Yeah, it's like uh, Nikolai. Every time he did the anthem, it was it was different words. Nobody really... <laughs> <laughs> like. But uh, well, that was just what he really... I, have you always been good with dialects? Could you always do... I, I've always been able to do...
1: Yeah, well, you know what, growing up in in Mississauga at the time that we did, so all of my, almost my entire high school, I'm talking 90% Mm. are all first-generation Canadians, and all our parents are from different countries, so we had a lot of uh, Italian, Portuguese, Polish, Greek, Maltese, Mm. and if I look even, even my elementary school classes, those nationalities are almost everyone in the class. You know, we'd have one black kid, one Chinese kid, yeah. but the rest was all, yeah, all over the world, Italian, yeah. Greek, yeah. everyone that came from Europe. So, so everyone's parents, all my friends' parents, had really strong accents
0: from different countries: Slovenian, yeah.
1: Croatian. So all know.
0: the kids were first generation, so you had these really rich.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so our our parents were all, yeah. you know, they they would. And yell at us or something and and you know English, which was definitely not their first language. And and that's where I got Sonama Gun from. My neighbor <laughs> Ivan would always say, Sonama Gun, you know. So I just picked up I, I just assembled bits and pieces of all my friends' parents.
0: Oh. Well, and, and, and the way you destroy the English language is just classic. I mean, the it, you know, the, the, the stuff with Santino, but I'm sure that you made use of it when you were playing the Russian as well. Yeah, yeah. So, um, when you were with OVW, uh, were there, did you get shots to come up and do uh, enhancement matches before you got the big break with, uh, Santino or, or was that the first experience?
1: Yeah, no, I, I came up on the road once. I think I did a, a Texas loop one time yeah. and, um, yeah, I was called Cincinnati one time, but I didn't, I didn't get a chance to have a match. I just kind of wrestled in the ring and, you know, in front of some people, I remember I had bronchitis, so I was really struggling but uh i did have a, a dark match with jamie noble in in texas and so i was a little bit ahead of my time with regards i i did a a side triangle choke as my finisher and to the untrained eye it could, it could look like a head scissors you know
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: so at the end of this match i get him down i put on the head scissors and he gets it goes unconscious so there mm-hmm. was like uh some cr- some crickets in here like what the hell is that <laughs> and uh now if someone does it they, yeah. have a, they would understand a bit more
0: yeah well that's that's funny but um uh you you get this opportunity um when they decide they want to have this character uh who was it that sold vince on giving you that shot and it was in italy what it happened yeah. so so uh, it's, it's
1: everything worked. I, 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 I mean you're barely
0: 2 years into this Anthony with this which is pretty amazing you don't really uh, start on this real professional career a career until 2005 and then 2 years later wow how did it happen
1: yeah so 2000 so two, all of 2004 was in Japan 2005 yeah. I moved to OVW. I yeah. got signed in 2006 and then 2007 I get this call it was um, it was Mike Bucci at the time. Uh-huh. He, he's sitting there with with the writers, and he's like, "Hey Boris, it's it's uh, it's Nova." And he goes, uh, your, "Your background's really Italian, right?" And I go, "Yep." And uh, he goes, "You can speak Italian?" And I just rem- remembered we had this talk. So Dusty Rhodes, there was a guy named Jack Bull who was in developmental, yeah. and Dusty Rhodes called him one time and said, "You know, Jack Bull, this is Dusty Rhodes. Uh, can you ride a can you ride a motorcycle?" And he's like, "Nope." And he thought someone was prank calling him uh. and, and doing a Dusty impression.
0: Oh,
1: it right. <laughs> well, A dusty very goes, good one. <laughs> the dusty goes, well, can you can you learn to ride a motorcycle? He goes, nope. <laughs> and, he goes, and he goes, okay. So anyway, he gets off the phone. He looks at his phone. He sees 203, the area code. And he's like, oh, my gosh. Is that Dusty Rhodes? <laughs> so anyway, we, we kind of had a laugh about it. And Dusty Rhodes came down to OVW and was talking to everybody. And he said, look... If, and this poor guy never got another opportunity to really get called up. He was about Shit. to get called up to do something with the Undertaker I was like this bike gang thing. Oh, wow. Yeah, and um, and Dusty said, "Look, if they ever ask you if you can do something, the answer is yes. yes. And they, <laughs> then you better learn how to do it. Right. Like, Fake it till you guys. make it, as it goes. Yeah. So when I used to work downtown Toronto, um, I worked for a year. I was in the. I was in that rat race traffic for one year, like almost bell to bell, one full year. Yeah. And um I used to have this uh I always wanted to learn Italian more. So I had this uh tourist um conversational Italian tape that I would listen to every day in rush hour traffic. Yeah. And um I couldn't speak Italian but I could regurgitate some of the tape.
0: Yeah so
1: well they, they spoke think,
0: it, your parents spoke it in your house though, didn't they?
1: Well my my dad's from Italy. My mom is uh is Metis, which is a oh. uh, French Canadian native Indian. Okay. And, um, so we didn't speak it at home.
0: Right, okay. Well, you
1: know, my, my, my dad's family, they all, you know, they're very Italian, but we just didn't speak it at home. Yeah. Okay. And, um, so they asked me if I could speak Italian. I just said, I, I regurgitated a couple of lines from the tape and it, it was like it was such random stuff. Like I'd like, I said, yeah. kilo di formaggio, which means I want to buy a half kilo of cheese, and then uh, he said, say something else. And I said, mi chiamo Antonio Carelli, which means my name is Anthony Carelli. And I could just.
0: You have very nice shoes. <laughs> yeah. I <just>
1: <laughs> and I could just see them looking around at each other going, I don't know. It sounded like Italian. Yeah. I don't know, it sounded good. And all of a sudden he goes, okay, uh, we're going to fly you out tomorrow. And you may debut as this Italian guy. You know, keep it keep it under wraps. It's uh, It's always subject to change. Well, and the most important the next...
0: thing was having that accent, right? I mean, that's really what it yeah. ended up. Yeah,
1: okay. yeah, because I didn't have to speak Italian very yeah. much. I just had to speak in English with an Italian accent. <laughs> so then that's it. They flew me out to yeah. Italy the next day. I got there on Sunday, and I debuted on Monday, and and then it was like buckle up and hold on. Here goes ten years. Like you know, wow, crazy.
0: I tell you that that I actually watched that scene this week uh, of your debut. And, uh, yeah, you you pulled that off so great. And the crowd, you got the the crowd was behind you immediately. Um, I don't know when you announced the town you were from or, and they're chanting there's soccer chants going on. Yeah.
1: Well, the town, the the town I said was my dad's actual town.
0: That's what I thought it was. I I knew there was going to be some direct connection.
1: Yeah, but it's such a small town and it's such a random. Got a big pop. uh, So, uh, yeah, imagine you're. You know, in the United States, and some guy comes out of the audience and they say, uh, "Where are you from?" And he goes, "Boise, Idaho." Yeah. You know, Ooh. you're gonna say, "Okay, that's believable." It's you know, it's not L.A. or New York or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. a small town. This was uh, in Calabria, as the south of Italy, mm-hmm. and um, so and actually, this year, this year, 2018, it was January second and third. Uh, I went to this town for the first time. My wife and I were in Italy. And uh, I finally made it to the to the motherland, so it's oh. it's just I've never been there my entire career. But when mm-hmm. I debuted, and the word got out, like their their whole town is like, some guy from our town is on TV wrestling, huh? and everyone's like, who is this guy? It's a small town of like you know a few thousand people, so they're like who who's this guy? And then they said, oh no, it was the Corellis that left it that left in the in the fifties, and they live in Canada, and blah blah blah, and they kind of you know. Uh, you know, put the little town on the map a little bit, yeah. and the mayor invited me for lunch and everything. <laughs>
0: That's great. Did, uh, did the town show up? I would <laughs> maybe would have kind of get, gotten a bus or something. I had been, oh no, it, it was a, <laughs>
1: a last-minute surprise. Yeah, but, but the, the, the beauty of it was, was that I really got a chance to connect with my Italian side. I became yeah. I'm a dual citizen, and after I became Santino, I studied the language because I, I knew I was going to have to go back to Italy at some point. and speak so i started studying uh first i did rosetta stone and and that got me up got me well enough to a point where i could i cut a promo in italian in italy but then years later i had a tutor and i got like the more advanced rosetta stone and i actually did two live interviews in italy one on the news and one on the radio um in italian and it was Mm -hmm. it was it was was amazing you know i was so nervous because yeah. I'm portraying this Italian character right. And I, I should be able to at least speak the language. So, I, 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 yeah, I became an Italian citizen, and what's the expression? Art
0: imitates life, or something? Yeah. Oh, well, that must have been, you must have nightmares, though, You think they'd ask you these, you know, long questions and you'd be like, ah, huh? oh, I want more cheese well, on my pizza. <laughs> yeah,
1: there's the commentators huh? now that do the huh? Italian commentary. One of them, um, he did an interview, and, and he's like, yeah, yeah, we know you're Canadian, but we're just going to, you know, play along and, and whatever. And he, mm-hmm. then he goes a hundred miles an hour yeah, right.
0: and just gives me the microphone. And I'm like, see, sí. uh. you know. <laughs> so when, when the, they uh, brought you in for this, this character, this run, um, did they have any idea? I mean, was it meant to be comical or did they realize the talent you had and then uh, just ran with it? Well, I, th- I think I was given the opportunity because
1: of, of talent, but this was... Uh, I saw it developing, so what happened is they go, okay, here's a guy from the audience. Mm-hmm. He wins the title, well, you know, while he's unconscious, right? You know, like Bobby yeah. Lashley helps out. And then all of a sudden, two weeks later, I appear on Raw, and I beat, like, Chris Masters and then Sheldon Benjamin, and I think the people were kind of like, you know, as if this pedestrian or, I mean, civilian kid, uh beat these guys and i think they felt that i was being force-fed to them and you know i had the makings for a little fiery baby face and everything but you know the way they boot roman reigns and the way they boot john cena they they, they don't want to be told what to like right and i think they felt that so it didn't really connect and then they said all right i guess we'll turn him heel and if that doesn't work you know repackage right Or, or or see you later to be honest But uh, as soon as they turned me heel, I tickled Vince's funny bone. And that was job security, (laughs) really.
0: So what did you come up with that stuff, though? I mean, just the – I'm telling you, the stuff that uh, (laughs) – I was looking at the the Sheamus uh, interview that you did in the (laughs) ring when when you guys were over in England. Oh, the tea uh, party. the The tea party. And you know, just do you, do you like it, uh, you know, milky? Oh, yeah! And, and just the way, you, just the way you said, it, I, I maybe you know, it, it's genuinely funny, but with the accent and how you twist the words, Shamus, you know, and the uh, did that? Did you just riff? Were you a lot of the stuff? Were you or were you coming up with it before you'd go out? I think it's. I think it was again like the time that I grew up. I mean,
1: during the eighties, we had the best sitcoms as well. Yeah. And, and and now I, Santino's like a character from a sitcom really you know um, and it was just that, that's where I got really my inspiration was just from, from one from where I live and from the time that I grew up and you know watched a lot of TV growing up
0: well you mentioned sitcoms and this is a good point because uh, I've got a sponsor i got to talk about here uh, Anthony and uh, you remember Seinfeld I, I don't know if you were a big uh, yeah. Seinfeld you remember uh, Kenny Banya, the the character on that yeah, show, and yeah. like, Jerry. That's gold. That's gold. Yeah, ben. well, it, it turns out that that uh, the actor or comedian, I should say, who who uh, was the you know in that in the show, Steve Heitner, has a podcast, and it's called That's Gold with <laughs> Steve Heitner. And if you love this show, folks, you are going to love That's Gold with Steve Heitner. Uh, you may remember, Steve, as I mentioned, if you are a Seinfeld fan, is Jerry's annoying comedian friend, Kenny Banya, who coined the term, That's Gold, Jerry. Oh, that's gold. Remember? Well, uh, that's gold. Uh, on That's Gold, Steve is joined by co-host Rich Johnson, and they talk about everything guys love. Of course, sounds like a Seinfeld show. Sports, sports betting, movies, comedy, food, drink, music, Vegas, and, of course, nothing, I would imagine. And they do this five days a week. It's like having a conversation with your buddies at a bar. A bar where famous guests often show up to shoot the breeze. So check it out, folks. It's that gold. That's gold. With Steve Heitner on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm. Uh, that's really funny. These guys. Uh, you're gonna check this out, uh, Anthony. Because uh, if you were a Kenny Banya fan, uh, this this is uh, really good stuff. Yeah, I was a comedy fan growing up too. I mean, we used to live, we used to you know get
1: tapes and sit in the garage and listen to Rodney Dangerfield and.
0: I oh, love Rodney.
1: Yeah, Rodney was the best ever. And you know, I used to stay up the I used to stay up late to watch Johnny Carson, David Letterman. Uh, oh. I just loved that 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 banter back and forth and, and and again the comedy shows were so good back, you know, WKRP in Cincinnati and Welcome Back Cotter. All and, and, and Santino, a lot of it actually was all in the family. Um so you know how Archie Bunker was always educating people on what's right and wrong by being the obvious wrong. Yeah. And that was Santino. He was chauvinistic and he was, uh, he, he was wrong. He was always wrong. Yeah. yeah. And, and,
0: but uh, and uh, believed wholeheartedly style. in what he was saying. Yes. Archie Bunker <laughs> style. <laughs> well, were you, were you funny as a kid? I mean, I, yeah. when did you get this comedic timing? And I, I talked to you about this before, uh, but really, did you, were you funny as a kid or when did you realize that uh, you had this? Yeah, I, I, I was I was a class well,
1: you you know, it, it wasn't just me though. Like my high when I think of high school, I just think of guys standing around in the calf or outside or on the football field or wherever and just constantly, constantly joking. All my friends, we had we had so much laughter and it was good comedy. It was funny. And we you know, we used to roast each other and you know, class clowns and we, we, were, we were basically smart asses. Uh, right through elementary school, because because our our group, our our neighborhood was built in eighty one, eighty two, so the same group of kids from seven years old, we went right through high school and you know university together. So we had a tight knit group of friends, and we just c- comedy man it was just always we were just always laughing.
0: Yeah. And as I mentioned, uh, when we started our conversation here about my son, Kyle, who, uh, you know, was uh, just becoming a huge fan. Then he was a big WWE fan and he loved you. And he got, he told me one day, he wanted me to watch this thing. And, um, I, I remember, I can't remember even what the, the bit you were doing, but I was like, man, he, th- th- they've got to capitalize on this guy. Cause he is genuinely funny. Like his timing and the way he delivers lines and how he chews the words up. And, um, you know, and and so he was one of those people, like you talked about, that initially you came on there. It was kind of this gimmick thing that this guy out of nowhere, which could have lasted like a, a two months, maybe, and uh, you developed into this character that people really enjoyed. I mean, uh, and Vince McMahon is certainly the one you wanted to get uh, take notice, but when did you um, start to realize that that it was working with these people? Yeah. You, you know what it was? I would get this
1: more often than not and it, it meant a lot to me. So I go, let's say I'm doing a signing and yes. there's a guy that comes up to me and he goes, hey man, he goes, can I tell you something? And I go, yeah. And he goes, I I, I stepped away from wrestling for a while. I didn't like mm-hmm. what was on TV and, and uh, you know, he goes, you actually brought me back to wrestling. Mm-hmm. He goes, the stuff you did was so funny. It was so old school and you know, like, thank you for bringing me back to something I love. And even Mark Yeaton, uh, you know, Mark, one of the production guys, he's like, can I tell you something? He goes, my wife, you know, I've been in the business. He's been in WWE for probably 30 years now. And he goes, my wife doesn't watch wrestling. She's sick of wrestling. She goes, yeah. she started watching wrestling again because of you. And he goes, now we get to share it again. And he was like, thank you. And, and I get that all I get it. It was incredible. And, and then when I found out that I was – um people's grandmothers you know like those grandmothers favorites or even uh a lot of the wrestlers i'm always their wives favorite because you don't have to be necessarily a wrestling fan because you i guess they're sick and tired of big macho muscle guys acting cool and someone's finally willing to you know be a little foolish and 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 take the joke and make it about them and um it was appreciated it was appreciated and and that was when i realized we were on to something here
0: did you have people uh, coming up to you and and you know doing the imitation and had specific lines that they would say to you oh man when i i would get pictures of people dressing up as santino for halloween and that yeah. that was like oh my god the man. unibrow yeah <laughs> <laughs> said you son of a gun <laughs> <laughs> well, and, 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 you know, I, uh, you know, you know, Chris Chambers with yes. the WWE yeah. and, uh, you know, he's been with the company forever and when you're around it for a long time, it takes, it it, it takes a lot to impress you with somebody or or have somebody who, you know, really, and I re- I remember that like he would do imitations of you doing lines that, I mean, he just <laughs> loved, you, loved your stuff. Uh, you know, and we're, uh, so I, I knew that uh, you were onto something, um, but was there a time do you th- that, that you felt like, oh, uh, I'd, I'd like to, have, maybe if I would have taken another path, path and have been this serious, uh, you know, heel, or or was it you just enjoyed the ride the whole time? You know what? It's funny that you say that, because when I got there, 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 there was this
1: subculture in the locker room of people being dissatisfied with um, where they were. Yeah. You know, the fact that, oh, knows making 10 times the money as everybody else and, and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, guys, we're professional wrestlers for a living. This is awesome. Yeah. You know, you don't I don't have to grow up. Yeah. You know, th- this, is, <laughs> this is our job. Yeah. I mean, maybe for me, it was a bit different. Cause once I kind of, once I, once I, once I locked down that niche, I was there. I didn't really have a lot of competition for a long time with regards to being the, the comedic wrestler.
0: Yeah.
1: And It was actually Lance Storm one time. He wrote an article saying, about me basically, saying, yeah, you know what? He's probably not going to be in the main event and probably not going to be the heavyweight champion, but he's going to have job security and longevity. And he was, and when I heard that, I go, that's, you know, slow and steady wins the race. And I I was there for a long time. And and so maybe I had a little more enjoyment because of that, or maybe it was just because of my point of view and, and, and my state of mind.
0: But, well, it uh, also, it also it, had, it had to an be awesome fun. Time. Yeah, but it had to be fun, too. I mean, the stuff you got to do.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and and then as I was there, they got more and more um, faith in me. So in the beginning, mm-hmm. they would write lines, like a, yeah. like a paragraph.
0: Right, and at right. the
1: end, it was like a couple bullet points. And they said, OK, just get just the go. stuff and say it your <laughs> way. you know. <laughs> right. and, and then I was like, wow, these writers are really, you know, they have faith in me and stuff. I actually, I actually wanted to do a sitcom. And actually, it was Chris Chambers. Uh, he di- so he, So Yeah. Uh, he, he he directed a pilot for me. Mm-hmm. And um, someone, uh, another guy in the office in his spare time literally edited it and put it in put in canned laughter because I wanted like an 80s sitcom. Yeah. And I waited one day after Raw for like an hour. And I sat down with Vince and I gave him the DVD. And they watched it on the plane. And he called me in the next week and he goes, I like the initiative you took Uh, We're going to do this And Mm. I knew the network was coming So I was hoping it was going to end up there And I'm talking like a one You know like everybody loves Raymond Type set you know With with the stairs in the background Going vertical horizontal (laughs) And um, a kitchen maybe (laughs) And the one we did Was really funny And then Uh. they assigned one of the writers to me uh, to, To do like three episodes Like an actual pilot yeah, and this guy's dad passed away, and he broke his hip, oh, and he God. got Lyme disease, oh, and, was, and this guy, because he used to write for the Cosby show or something, uh, and the the, the 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 three episodes we did with him were the shits. Uh, and
0: then when they got... He wasn't me, exactly he got, in the right place,
1: you're saying. He wasn't in the right frame <laughs> <place> of mind. <laughs> for yeah. comedy. Oh. And uh so it never really, it never got to... uh oh. Not got to be really, but I, I thought that we were onto something there. Even even now, to this day, I would love to do a good old fashioned '80s sitcom, yeah. and it was called uh, "Somebody Loves Santino," and, we're, <laughs> and it was with Beth Phoenix, and at the time she would have
0: been like my offs, you know, my yeah. my wife kind of thing. Uh-huh. Well, you, you know the uh, the Bushwhackers, uh, you know, they they went before they came to the WWE. They're like this badass tag team. Very serious. And, you know, like they tore Vicious. people up. Yeah, they were. I mean, if people don't realize that, that they were, you know, they were hardcore. And uh, they got to the WWF at the time. And Vince wanted them to be these characters, these comical. And I asked uh, Luke when I uh, interviewed him, you know, did you regret? Them? I mean, here you guys were kind of this badass tag team. And he's like, you know, mate, no, <laughs> you know, not. it wasn't just the money. They had a ball doing it. Yeah. So, you know, there was, the, you know, and they and, and like you said, it gave them longevity because yeah. they were unique. I definitely trained to be
1: like a, a, a Dean Malenko or an Eddie or Kurt Angle even, Owen yeah. Hart, yeah. Chris Benoit. Those were all my, my, the guys I focused on wrestling like them. And, um, yeah, this, this Santino came to be, and it, it's not what I intended to do, but it, it was a, absolute blessing you know it was so much
0: fun well and you, and you think about it, you did you do have titles I mean that, that uh, many people who had long careers didn't get um, what stands out from those I mean the intercontinental championship uh, I mean of course the honky meter was <laughs> classic but um, I mean you, you've got to be proud of that uh, that regardless of how the storylines went uh, it, it's it's the same for everybody. There's a storyline for every title.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the the first couple times I won the Intercontinental title,
0: yeah.
1: um, I was like unconscious, and I won it in a comical way. Like, well, yeah. I mean, the first time Bobby Lashley kind of propped me on, and the next time Beth Phoenix won the, it, it was a it was t- two titles on the line, so she kind of did the work, and I just benefited. And then you know it comes in peaks and valleys, especially when you're a comedic character, you can't be. A tough guy, because there's really nothing funny about being a tough guy. But uh, a comedic, uh, a comedy character can have those moments and those nights. And if my neck didn't get bad, I always thought there was going to be one night, and it could have been for two weeks that I, I I won the heavyweight championship and then you know lost it later yeah. in, in, a, in a week or so. But just to have that night, um, and I think that was part of the attraction to Santino. But coming so close. Um, all those times. I think that's the the romance behind the the, the relationship with the character is that people always wanted Santino to just do a little better. And they never quite got that satisfaction. So they always left with wanting a little more. And I think that's cool that they never got bored of the character. They, could, they always wanted a little more. And even people will come up to me and be like, you know... They should use you better, and they should use you more. And I want to see more Santino. And so people definitely voiced their their opinion and preference. But I think the way it worked out was pretty good. Always wanting them, uh, always having them want a little more.
0: Well, and I think another thing that people really appreciated is that uh, you could you could tell that you worked really well. I mean, it wasn't like you go in there and you just knew a few moves. That you could tell because you would you would have these moves where you throw people and do. Uh, so I think they appreciated the fact that you weren't just this, this joke. I mean, you were this, uh, in a sense, you were funny. But, you know, what I'm saying that they knew you knew what you were doing in that ring. Yeah. And I, I, would, I would say I, I read
1: that sometimes where people are yeah. like, you could tell he can wrestle. Why are they making yeah. him lose or something? Yeah. Or, yeah. or then there's there's a YouTube video of of boris alexia of the promo video we did back in ovw yeah. and i mean it has to be it's been viewed hundreds of thousands of times now but people are like why didn't they use this this looks so cool and i'm like yeah it was cool but how much like can you watch yeah. that guy for 10 years right i don't
0: know you know yeah exactly and, and uh, there was there's definitely an art to it um becoming the fastest eliminated uh, competitor in a royal rumble I, I remember hearing an interview that you said, you talked about that that was stressful because you had to get it right.
1: <laughs> you know what? And and, and that's actually like um, a metaphor from my entire point of view. Hmm. I remember when we we're going through the, um, the elimination order and stuff like that, hmm. you know, D Malenko was like, okay, Santino, you're next. He goes, it's not going to be long. You know, you'll be thrown out pretty quick. And I was like, okay, whatever. Um, and then I said, can I, try and break the record then and he looked at me like okay let me ask you know and he came back and said yeah they said go ahead so you know they gave me lemons and i turned it into lemonade and then i had to you know come up with a a plan to be actually the fastest elimination and 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 nail it and i think they tried to break it a couple times but they
0: can't do it so (laughs) you own it (laughs) and you were fired by donald trump who can say that
1: yeah well my sister was At
0: least uh, mm-hmm. oh yeah <laughs> that's, that's true excuse me yeah. that's like uh yeah my uh my my other half ian mooney who's still out there somewhere we don't <laughs> know uh whatever happened to him but yeah but that must have uh been an interesting experience
1: oh yeah yeah it was, it was pretty <laughs> i mean you know it, it's it's more significant now after the yeah. fact that he's he's the president of the yeah United you know
0: States.
1: yeah but it was pretty cool of course uh when he got elected, I found that old video
0: and, you know, retweeted it. <laughs> well, you know, that, and, and one of the first interviews I did ever, live, I was during the pay-per-view in Atlantic City, my first WrestleMania, and I interviewed uh, Donald Trump in the crowd. And so there's a picture out there that people always send me of me interviewing him. But I, I tell you, Anthony, that was the worst interview I ever did live in my life. I was just a wreck. It was my first one. And every time I see it, It's it stings because I go, oh, yeah, I remember that. (laughs) Like, thank God I got better. But uh, yeah, it's uh, that's that's like my moment with Trump is what what stands out from that interview. Yeah, it was funny.
1: He kept looking at the camera and normally that would be like a bust. You know, you got to do it again. But they just they just let
0: it go. No, it's Donald Trump. Yeah, it's Donald Trump. Whatever the hell he wants, right? Yeah. So uh, but when you look back, though, at that uh, the, those those years um, and, uh, you know, what you were able to accomplish, uh, you know, pretty much doing whatever they asked you to do and making it work. Like you said, they handed you lemons. I mean, I can't imagine if somebody said, OK, we want you to do this. And I don't know who came up with the angle to be a Santina, but was how did that come about? And, and was it the same kind of thing that you said, OK, I'll make it work? Well, I, I think. Vince, he was, he found it very funny that, that kind of, um,
1: chauvinistic gender role comedy type stuff, you know, yeah, where, yeah. where Santino was trying to show that he's, um, that men are dominant. And, and of course, Beth Phoenix was of course the dominant one in the relationship, which was really, you know, making him become desperate. And then he dressed up like a woman to win the battle royal and stuff. So it was supposed to be a, a one-time thing, actually, I, um, apparently you know who was in the, i think mike yoda was in gorilla and he yeah. said vince was just dying laughing like slapping his leg huh. dying and so it isn't it
0: funny for- some of the things that made it that he just finds hilarious and you go oh, okay <laughs>
1: yeah I, I just i brought it to life i gave it my yeah. all and i yeah. i had a couple of dance moves in the back pocket that i was, was waiting to use and uh and it lasted for three months but uh-huh. gosh
0: you know, you wrestled for ten years,
1: and then dressed <laughs> like a woman for three months. And was, that's what they remember.
0: That's what they remember. Was there any hesitation to do it? No, to no. not do it. I should say,
1: no, no, not at all. It was. Uh, I remember the first time I was getting the makeup. I remember Nicole Scherzinger from the Pussycat Dolls, yeah. and uh, she was at our guest at Mania, and she came in and saw me getting dressed up, and I think she thought I was the local or i was crossed you know transvestite or something and, and i was like no 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 this is uh, my name's anthony and this is a one-time thing and but it was uh it, no I, I it was fun it was fun my daughter my daughter is probably a little embarrassed at school but that was about it
0: yeah but i'm sure she's very proud of her dad uh before i let you go we only have a few minutes left here but uh on us on the serious side of this that as i mentioned uh, before that uh you know you've been involved in uh martial arts i know you've you know, been involved in some MMA matches, and now you have battle arts. Uh, it it seems as though the business is is kind of changing back to, or or, or or adapting a lot of what you talked about, what they were doing in Japan, where uh, a lot of these are are kind of blurred now. And and what these guys are doing in the ring, um, pretty much seems along the lines of how you're training these these kids that come through your school up in Canada. Yeah, 100%.
1: So in 2004, when MMA was really, you know, growing, and I said, okay, but now the audience knows what real grappling and real fighting looks like. And, and, and you know, professional wrestling was basically like MMA back in the day. And I said, so we have to – so if I'm a quarterback, I'm throwing the ball to where you're going to be, not, yeah. not to where you are right now. And I feel as a coach, I have to train my wrestlers to where the industry is gonna be when it comes time for them to be ready. Not where it is now because by yeah. the time they get there, that's gonna be obsolete. And I really you have to you have to believe and you have to stick to your guns. And I'm I'm training. I should tell people look, you know, you gotta cross train. If you're not an amateur athlete, it's not too late, but you have to do it concurrently. So you know you have a lot of fans that want to be wrestlers and that's fine. Yeah. But we're gonna become full time fighters, full time bodybuilders, full-time wrestlers. I mean, you really have to embrace every aspect of being a professional wrestler. Um I said, you know, how how can you convincingly convince me that you're fighting? How can you
0: convincingly work? Yeah.
1: yeah, if you've never been in a fight or you've never competed or anything. So, um most of my athletes they do something they so battle arts is two things. It's a professional wrestling school. And then the other side, it's uh, Olympic combative sports. So we do Mm -hmm. boxing, wrestling, and judo. Oh, I guess there's another side. And then we do MMA, which is Muay Thai and BJJ, that kind of stuff. But but a person that has a membership in pro wrestling, they have access to everything. So I said, okay, if we're training pro wrestling Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Saturday, just say, then I want you to go to Muay Thai and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Monday and Friday. And just really expedite the, the the coordination, the footwork that you're going to need to be a high-level wrestler. As I, I tell the guys, a lot of the guys there, um, or like it someone like Randy Orton, he was a a state champ amateur wrestler uh, growing up. Cody Rhodes, Dolph Ziggler, uh, you know, gosh, uh, Alberto Del Rio, Jack Swagger, all these guys, are, uh, and the list goes on. Everyone's a high-level athlete and a high-level wrestler. And if you want to do it as a bucket list thing and you want to be you work the indies that's fine that that's your, your choice but if you want to make it to the highest level then we're going to have an understanding that you have to train like a professional athlete um rip rogers has the best analogy he goes i can't call the celtics tomorrow and say hey um i want to play basketball i figure you guys are train me yeah and they go <laughs> they give it a shot experience yeah you have <laughs> an experience playing basketball I goes, no but i figured you guys will train me yeah. and it doesn't work that way you, you got to be an amateur so and, and that was the mentality that i fell in love with in japan
0: mm-hmm. they're
1: saying okay an olympic athlete is an amateur athlete we're professional we have to outwork them and that's why they do those you know thousands of squats and thousands right. of sit-ups and push-ups and they just train so hard because they have the attachment of the word professional to, to what they're doing. Yeah. And, um, I, I took that home and I believe in that. And I'm pretty hard on my students, but they're some of the best indie wrestlers, uh, in Ontario for sure.
0: Do you see the business though, heading that way, that it's going to be more of that, uh, almost, uh, you know, shoot kind of, uh, you know, blurred wrestling, because you see what, you know, Nick Aldis is doing and Cody and uh, they bring this realism to these matches. You know, uh, Nick Nick loves to do the, uh, they have the, you know, the way in And they have in-ring instructions. And they try and create this big fight feel. I uh, love that. Do, yeah, do you see the business uh, heading that way? Or yeah, is it always yeah. going to be, you know?
1: We do stuff, um, we do every match is, is uh, you know, the entrance, the entrance, then the introductions in the ring. Eventually, I want to do uh, a top 10 statistic. I want to do wins and losses. Um, you can't do all the wins and losses, including, you know, house shows and stuff. But I think for the year you can have, a, you know, for this year, they can be, uh, six and four, that kind of thing. Um, I, I love it. I even like doing this matches sanctioned by the governing body or whatever yeah. and yeah. all that stuff, you know, just to, yeah. to help make them suspend every last drop of disbelief and, and really get emotionally invested, um, if you watch when someone scores a goal in the World Cup, they go ballistic, yeah. absolutely ballistic. Yeah. And we can achieve that, but you have to be flawless with your technique so that, um, you know, there's not. This is the analogy I use. If you're watching a horror movie and just as the vampire is going to jump out, you see the camera drop into the picture, you'd be like, ah, man, uh, yeah, just took
0: out of it. it. Yeah. Just
1: and I don't want any cameras dropping in, so we make sure every little aspect is perfect. And then, you know, you should get that massive reaction at the end, and that's the only one you should really be concerned about is the finish, um, and not trying to pop them with dives and stuff throughout the match. Yeah
0: does it does it frighten you though with some of the when we see today some of the the and I don't want to call them stunts, but, uh, you know, they're just way where you, I, I'm worried for someone really getting hurt. Now, you know, guys jumping over the top rope, doing flips onto the floor, onto bodies. And, uh, does that concern you at all? Or is this, yeah. you know, these guys are you know trained professionals and whatever. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, one guy I trained with, he's dead now. He was paralyzed from the neck uh. down for a few years and, and, and
0: Rip even told him he's
1: going to kill yourself one day. Uh. Um, but there are different genres now. So there's lucha, there's hardcore, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's, you know, realistic shoot style. And then there's that, you know, classic, like the stuff Cody's doing with like the NWA title and everything. Um, mm. And there's, ultimately the show should have a, a little bit of each and then yeah. people should be able to work with others as well. So it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's an interesting time right now because of the, the, um, you know, digital platforms that, small companies can access you know inexpensively they kind of uh, there's a resurgence of these kind of territories coming up and if you go viral you can be watched by hundreds of thousands of people all over the world and you can have a, just a, a completely inexpensive production budget
0: yeah well anthony before we get off here though i know that uh, santino is there with you i just have one question for him yes. uh could i could i talk him just one second i just want to ask him uh, santino are you there
1: yeah, Santino.
0: Sean's on the phone. Yeah. He's a big fan of mine. I know that. A big fan. Hello. Uh, Santino. Si. How are you, my friend? It's Sean Mooney.
1: I am fantastical. Thank you very much.
0: Yeah. Yes. Uh, hey, uh, I just had a great conversation with Anthony, but I want to ask you, uh, before we sign off here, though, when, when you look back on all you accomplished in the WWE, how do you think that you, you measure up among the, the great superstars in the WWE?
1: Well I'm only 5 foot 10 so they're more taller than me but uh, oh. it's not the size of the dog but the size of the fight in the dogs.
0: Ah that makes complete sense to me. And and you are you waiting for that phone call? You know no. the one I'm talking about. No no I'm a too busy now. Not the hall of fame you wouldn't uh, take oh, that, that call. Phone call. Okay.
1: I'm yeah I sit by the phone quite often but uh, <laughs> Sometimes, uh, uh, you know, some people say to me that I have hall of fame career, but uh, I guess time will tell.
0: Yes, maybe you'll you'll be in uh, right after Shemus. sheamus <laughs> Yes, you're a good friend. All right, Santino's been a a great uh, pleasure uh, talking with you, and I and I wish you well uh, in whatever your endeavors are today. Uh, uh, can you put Anthony back on? Tell him that you, I just want to say goodbye before we get forget
1: off. that guy. He's a son of a
0: gun. <laughs> He's a son of a gun. Yes. <laughs>
1: Anthony, thank
0: you, thank you, yeah. thank you so much. Uh, tell Santino, I, I wish him the best. Um, I wish you would have known Gorilla Monsoon, uh, Gino. You would have loved him, and uh, I think he would have really enjoyed um, all the entertainment you brought people in the WWE. How can folks get in touch with you uh, about the school and, and other ways? Uh, yeah,
1: martialartsacademy.cay. And uh, yeah, I guess you know these. That's it, really. Google it. Yeah. Call us, come on down, come and train. I'm, I'm on Twitter, you know, uh, at Milan Miracle and Instagram, the Milan Miracle. And and uh, that's about it. Yeah, I mean, uh, Battle Arts is on Twitter as well. I think it's Battle Arts BAA. And I usually update because we do boxing and, and wrestling and stuff.
0: Uh, perhaps we'll see you uh, with the WWE anytime anything's going on with the network or... I don't know. I work for sports net now. And I, yeah, I work yeah a, you do. You know, that's another thing I didn't mention that, uh, you do a lot. Uh, you do, you're an analyst and, uh, you're on some of these other shows.
1: Yeah. i work a lot. And we just, yeah. we, I have a 10 day old boy son. Yeah.
0: He's, I've, he's, I've he's seen your picture. With, that's so awesome.
1: pretty, pretty busy, but, uh, okay. Yeah. We have yeah. to actually go to the doctor. Now. Yep.
0: It's all turned out. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, it was great talking to you, uh, Anthony and, uh, take care. It's been, uh, I hope I talk to you and see you again soon.
1: Yeah. And hopefully we get to see the stuff we did with the edge and Christian show come pretty soon.
0: Yes. forgot to plug that. Yeah. We did have a lot of fun. That, that was one fun. line when you say, uh, Christian's got the member's jacket on here and he's oh, very nice jacket. <laughs> he's like, yes, it's comfortable too. I'm going to talk to <laughs> chambers about that sitcom. We need, you need to do that sitcom.
1: Yeah, that'd be fun.
0: All right, my friend, take care.
1: Take care. Thank you.